complain that rose bushes have thorns, or we can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. It's all about our perspective. It depends. Two people can look at the same situation and see it completely differently. It's all a matter of our attitude and our perspective. Someone once said, so much in life depends on our attitude. The way we choose to see things and respond to others makes all the difference. The title of our message today is Having God's Perspective. There's really two perspectives you can have in this world today. One is man's perspective. We're born with that. We're children of Adam and we come forth into this world with man's perspective, man's thinking, man's wisdom, man's ways. But once we become born again, we take on God's perspective. And that's the right perspective. That's the best perspective that we can have in life is to see things from his vantage point, from his viewpoint, from his outlook. And it is a blessing when we do that. The definition of the word perspective is a specific point of view in understanding or judging things or events, especially one that shows them in their true relations to one another. The ability to see things in a true relationship. As believers, we want to have God's perspective. It helps us to be encouraged. It helps us to be uplifted, to be edified. It helps us to have right thinking and right attitudes in every situation in life that comes up. Our text today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. In the New King James Version it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. We're going to look at three things from the word of God from this passage this morning about having God's perspective. Number one, that we would value the inward over the outward. Secondly, that we would value the future glory over the present pain. And third, that we may value the eternal over the temporary. May God encourage us in his word well, let's look first of all at our first point, to value the inward over the outward. The Pharisees in Jesus' day did exactly the opposite of this. They valued the outward over the inward. Jesus said you're like whitewashed tombs that look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. They washed cups and pitchers and they 
wore long robes and they looked good on the outside, but inside they weren't good at all. And the Pharisees complained. One day they complained when Jesus and his disciples had eaten some grain without ceremonially washing their hands. Now we know all about washing our hands, don't we? That we need to do it for at least 20 seconds or more with warm or hot water to uh, kill the virus and so forth. We're very familiar with that. But in this day, when Jesus was speaking, they took washing hands way, way far past that. They had to wash up to the elbow, and they had to do it according to the tradition of the elders. And so, of course, they put down Jesus, and they put down his disciples, because they didn't carry out that formal washing. And Jesus rebuked them for that, and he spoke to his disciples about the true meaning of what he had told them. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 16 to 20, it says, And are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Jesus taught, and the apostles later taught, that it's the inward man that is more important than the outward man. Because man always tries to look good on the outside. So he dresses up, she dresses up, looks good, does their best, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to remember to value, to prioritize the inward over the outward. And when Paul speaks of that, he talks about not losing heart even though our inward man is decaying or perishing. Our outward man is being renewed day by day. You know, God knows us from the inside out. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives and He knows our desires. He knows everything about us. And when God sent Samuel to Jesse in Bethlehem to anoint one of his sons to be king over Israel in the place of Saul. Jesse had seven of them there in the house at the, at the time, and all seven of them appeared before Samuel, but the Lord rejected each one. He refused each one. None of those sons were the one. Though when they brought them there, some of them were tall and handsome and strong and they were, from an outward standpoint, ideal to be king. In fact, when Saul was made king, on the outside, he was great. He was taller than anybody else. He was uh, a handsome man. He was, he was head and shoulders, literally, above all the other people. But God looks at it differently than man looks. And in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, 
because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For, the, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And there were seven sons there, and none of them were the one. And so Samuel said, do you have any more sons? He says, Jesse says, yes, I have one more son. He's out with the sheep. He was a shepherd boy, and it turns out it was David. And David came in, and the Lord told Samuel, he is the one. And we know that David later on is described in the scriptures as a man after my own heart. That's what God says of David. And so we don't lose heart. As we grow older, we can't do things we used to do when we were younger. We're not as strong as we used to be. We're not as mentally sharp as we used to be. These things are happening. Our outward man is perishing. We're on medications. We're, there's a lot of things that change as you get older and older. We get aches and pains. We go through all kinds of health issues. But we're thankful that even with those things, that the inward man is being renewed day by day. I've found as I grow older that, our, that my mental health is more of a consideration to me than even my physical health. When I was younger, my, my main goal was physical, physical, physical. But as you get older, you start to realize that the mind is so very important. We have to exercise our minds as well as our bodies. We have to keep ourselves in spiritual shape as well as physical shape. We need to have wisdom. We need to have maturity. We need to have insight. Let's not forget our mental workouts and our spiritual workouts. I like what Peter said to the, to the Christian women in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, when he's talking about the inward person. He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. One thing I would like to note, Peter is not telling them to be shabby or not to keep up their physical appearance or to dress well or anything like that because he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Not merely outward. The outward is important, but the inward is more important. He says, let it be the hidden person of the heart with that incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. The inward man is the most vital and important thing. The outward is important, but not as important as the inward. So that's our first point today, to value the inward over the outward. It's the opposite thinking of the way the world thinks. The world puts it the other way. The emphasis is on the outward. But with the Lord Jesus and with the principles of Scripture, the emphasis is on the inward. Well, secondly, the future glory. We need to value the future glory over the present pain. It's amazing how it says here in Scripture that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal 
weight of glory. Our future glory is so much more important, so much more valuable, so much more beautiful than the present pain that we're going through. Trials that the Lord allows in our life help us to grow, help our faith to grow, help us to be a blessing. If we were to take away the trials, we would not grow as we should. We would be abnormal Christians. We need the trials. And in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. It's such a blessing to, to see how God uses tribulation in our lives, difficulty in our lives. We will look back one day on this whole pandemic and the things that we'd gone through. And hopefully we won't forget the lessons we've learned. To rely on the Lord, to depend on Him, to follow the directions that we're given. And when we do that, it will be a great blessing and we will learn lessons. It should humble us to realize that we need God every second of our lives. We need to trust in Him. Yes, these trials that we experience seem like light affliction when you compare them with the glory that we will have with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. I found a poem that says, God has not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our life through. God has not promised sun without rain, Sorrow, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. There was a song years ago that, many years ago, I date myself by quoting it, but it says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. And that title of that song is very reminiscent of what we're talking about here. It reminds us of it. God doesn't promise us smooth sailing all the time. There's going to be difficulties. There are going to be trials. But when you put them on the scale, and on one side you put your trials and your afflictions and your difficulties, and on the other side of the scale you put the future glory, the weight of glory, the scale for the weight of glory is so much heavier and so much greater than our afflictions. If anything, our afflictions don't seem light when we're going through them. They really don't. They seem very heavy, and they are heavy. But compared to the weight of glory that we're going to have with Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever, Paul calls them light affliction. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 these beautiful words, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. These sufferings that we're going through now, the pain, the sorrow, the difficulties, the troubles, whether it's through the coronavirus or anything else that we're going through, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. 
And soon, and very soon, when the Lord comes to take us home to be with himself. What we're going through on earth right now will seem like a distant memory. When we go into the presence of the Lord, we enter the pearly gates, we walk down the streets of gold, we see our Lord, we see each other in heaven and all the beauty and all the glory. All that light affliction, all the affliction and things we went through will be so trivial. It will seem so unimportant at that point in time because of what the Lord has given to us. An American tourist visited the 19th century Polish rabbi, Hofetz Chaim. Astonished to see the rabbi's home was only a simple room filled with books, plus a table and a, lamp and a bench, the tourist asked, Rabbi, where is your furniture? The rabbi answered, where is yours? Mine, asked the puzzled American, but I'm a visitor here, I'm only passing through. And the rabbi replied, so am I. So am I. And that's us as Christians. We're just passing through. This world is not our home. This world is not our final destination. Our home and our final destination is in heaven. And so we can be like this Jewish rabbi. We should be able to live simply and live for the Lord all our lives. We need to have his perspective of what's important. His, his perspective on what our priorities should be in life. Someone once said, the weight of glory will be well worth the wait in time. It may seem like a long time since the Lord went back to heaven after his resurrection, but it really is not that long in keeping with the scriptural principles of eternity. It really is very short. Paul prayed in, first, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. He had two prayers one in chapter 3 and one in chapter 1. And this is the one in chapter 1, and he prays this, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It is a blessing to know that we have something great to look forward to. And our perspective on life should always be no matter what trials we're going through, God is working it for our good. He has our, a purpose for it and in it, and he's going to use it for all eternity. I love what Jessica has as her expression in life, living for heaven. And she's had it on her, on her license plate and different things. It's such a blessing. Bill McDonald used to tell us all the time in the intern program, lifetime is training time for reigning time. I like that. I'll repeat it again. Lifetime is training time for reigning time. It is true. A man named Moorhead once wrote, a little joy enters into us in the world. We shall enter into joy when we get there. He says, a few drops here, but a whole ocean there. So true. We know so very little about heaven given to us in the scriptures, just enough to whet our appetites, just enough to look forward to. 
But one person said this. He said he was a theologian and he described it this way. He says an un, that heaven is an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. And that unknown region with the un, well-known inhabitant is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see him one day. And that's the best perspective to have in life. That God has something better in store for us. Adel gives that quote all the time, and it's so true. The best is yet to come. And I know the people that are waiting to go back to work and go back to school and go back to church and go back to going out to restaurants and going out to baseball games and other sporting events like that. But we have to have the right perspective that God knows best and he's working everything out for the good. So we need to remember that God's priority is on the inward, not on the outward. And God's priority is on the weight of glory that we have in Christ and not over the light afflictions that we go through. And then our third point today is to value the eternal over the temporary. You know, in life there are some things you have that are very, very temporary. They only last for a little while and then they're gone. The things that are more important last forever and they're eternal things. And that's why Paul writing here at the last part of this section says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to make a choice. We have to make a determination to put our emphasis, to put our priority, to put our value on the eternal over the temporary, over the earthly. We, as human beings, get attracted by the earthly things, by the temporary things, because we can see them with our eyes. We can hear them with our ears. They impress us. But the things that we can see are temporary. They only last for this life. But the things that we cannot see, Paul says, are eternal things. We as believers need to make that choice and decision. In Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, we see how we should respond to the things above versus the things of this world. He says here, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. This is a choice. This is a decision that we have to make. This is something we need to do, is to value the things above, not the things of this world. Everything in this world is going to pass away. It's all going to disintegrate. It's going to be burned up. And so by putting our attention and emphasis on it, it's only going to bring sadness. But when we put our attention and our focus on Christ and the things above where he is seated, We'll never be disappointed. We'll only be encouraged each and every day of our lives. Faith allows us to focus on the eternal, not on the earthly. There are three gates that 
they have at the Cathedral of Milan over in Italy. Three gates. Over one gate, there's an inscription in marble under a beautiful flower bouquet that says, the things that please are temporary. Over the second gate, there is a cross with this inscription. The things that disturb us are temporary. However, the central gate, right in the middle, is the most important. And there's, big, there's a big inscription on that central gate that says, eternal are the important ones. That is so very true. It's the eternal things that are important. They will last forever. The earthly things that are so temporary. And as I mentioned, they'll all be destroyed by fire. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So many people are striving for things that are going to be burned up. You know, we came into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave this world with nothing. We all come in with zero, and we leave with zero. That's why Job said, Naked I came into this world, and naked I shall return there. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's humbling, though. It's humbling that all these things that we think are so important in the world, money, possessions, nice homes, nice cars, all these things, they mean so little in the light of eternity. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not good and we shouldn't have them and we don't need them. We do need them and we do need to live in this world, but we need to remember the value is greater on the eternal than it is on the temporary. And I love what Jesus said in, Mar in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. He tells us where the emphasis should always be. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the key. Where your, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in this world, that's where your heart's going to be. But if your treasure's in heaven, that's where your heart's going to be. And the question is, how big is our heavenly bank account? How much treasure have we sent up ahead of us by doing good works and serving the Lord here on this earth? Because one day when we get there, He's at, and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he rewards us for those things we have done for him, it will all be worthwhile. And those will be treasures, those will be crowns, those will be blessings that we will receive, and it will be a great joy. We need to put our priority on heavenly things, on eternal things. The hymn writer Rhea Miller once said, and I love this hymn, it was sung by... George Beverly Shea, so many times. And one of the lines of the hymn goes like this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain. 
or be held in sin's dread way. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Can you say that? I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. The devil would like to convince us that we're missing out and we should be striving for these things in the world. But we should be thankful for them, but we shouldn't put an emphasis or priority on them. The priority is on the things that we cannot see, the eternal things. When Thomas was with the disciples after Jesus' resurrection, they were all meeting together. And before, when Jesus visited them, Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see Jesus with my own eyes and I see the wounds and the nail prints. And so when Jesus came, he passed through the wall in his heavenly body and he spoke to them. And one of the things that he told Thomas, he says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you. That's me at the end of that verse. We have not seen Jesus, but we have believed in him. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because that's where faith comes in. That's where our, our belief comes in. Though we have not seen him, we love him. And though we do not see him now, we rejoice with glory and inexpressible joy. And it is a blessing. Thomas will forever be known as Doubting Thomas. May we not be doubting, but believing. When Abraham was living in that time in Genesis, they didn't have the whole Bible like we have today, but he was a great man of faith, and he's known for his faith. And I, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, with him of the same promise. Abraham did not build houses. He didn't build landmarks. He didn't build legacies on this earth. He was looking forward to something better. He knew this was not his ending point. That's why he lived in tents. He moved about according to the Lord's will, wherever the Lord would move him, or wherever the Lord would send him. And he had the priority on the things above, not the things of this world. He looked beyond the temporary things of this world to the eternal heavenly things above. Someone once said, faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Bill McDonald once commented on this verse. He said, in this verse, look does not merely describe human vision. Rather, it conveys the idea of regarding a thing as important. Our priority should be on the things we cannot see, the eternal things. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, Paul writes these words. He said, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Paul knew that the earthly things were like looking into a, a mirror and seeing it dimly because the mirrors they had in those days were made out of copper and it was, when you looked at your reflection, it was dim. It's not like the mirrors we have now that have a perfect reflection of what we look like. 
He says, we know in part, but then we shall know fully, just as we are fully known. So let's remember today what God considers important. What his perspective is. It's on the inward, not the outward. His priority is that we build ourselves spiritually, not worry as much about the outward. Outward's important, but not nearly as important as the inward. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And let's remember the future glory is far more glorious than the present pain. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It cannot compare to the glory that we're going to have, the pain we go through, the trials we go through. And let's remember that the eternal is more important than the temporary, or in some versions it calls it temporal. Yes, we're thankful for what the Lord has done. And he's given us these verses and this message to remind us to have the right perspective, to have God's perspective, to have the best perspective. The poet and hymn writer Annie Johnson Flint wrote, and we quoted her last time too, she said this, I see not, but God sees. O all-sufficient light, my dark and hidden way to him is always bright. My stained and peering eyes may close in restful ease, and I in peace may sleep. I see not, but he sees. May God give us the eyes to see as he sees, the ears to hear as he hears, to have the priority on the things above, not the things of this world. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, please help us to have your perspective. Help us to look at people and things and events and things that are going on around us from your perspective, not from man's perspective. Help us to have the right viewpoint, Lord. Help us to soar like eagles over this world. Help us to remember that you're coming soon, Lord Jesus, to take us home to heaven. Help us to realize that all the things that we have on this world, we're going to all leave them behind. Help us to have the right priorities, Lord, and to live for your kingdom and glory. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.